0: Welcome to Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, and uh, we've only been doing this podcast for about 10 months. And believe it or not, gun violence has been the subject three times. No other news-inspired events have created more conversations here at ConnectingVets.com.
1: Pretty terrified. I actually
2: can't believe that this happened. You he
1: just heard it going, pop, 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 pop. Let's
3: make a change. Let's. Action speaks louder than words.
2: With their backs turned to the White House,
0: soon we will
3: be able to vote, and we will vote
0: you out. Those are the sounds of witnesses and survivors, as captured by the Associated Press, and they've captured tragedies like Vegas. Parkland, Florida, the vet's home in California, and even just a few days before recording this very sentence.
3: It happened in the uh, art
0: hallway. In Great Mills, Maryland.
3: That's pretty much all I know at the moment. I'm still a little
0: shaken up. You know, this is what we train for, this is what we prepare for, and this is what we pray that we never have to do. In response to each of these, we turn to the veteran community to discuss. Maybe even find some answers. And now we're on the eve of a historic occasion where the teens of America, especially those from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, may have organized one of the largest protest marches in history. The student led March for Our Lives, Protest Against Gun Violence, has Washington, D.C. alone expecting 500,000 people to attend. And once again on Vet Story, we turn to veterans. This time, vets who are also college students. And by the end of our conversation, these three former Marines revealed they already have a plan.
2: I'm Harrison William Floyd. I go by H.W., Uh, currently a student veteran over at the George Washington University pursuing a degree in legislative affairs.
1: I am Nicole Serafino, and I am currently a student also at the George Washington University, and I am also the secretary of GW Vet.
3: I'm Emerson Jones. I am currently a student at George Washington University. Uh, I'm right now the sitting director of strategic engagement for the Coalition of Veteran Engagement.
0: Cool. Devil dogs, huh?
3: Yeah, Yut yeah. yeah.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I was in the Navy. So go ahead, hit me with the joke. You were in the, you know, you know, you were in the men's department or the, you know, the stronger department. Go ahead. I've heard it all.
2: We we can't bash you because the Navy is the Uber of the sea. So you guys <laughs> give us great rides. So I'm not going to bash you. The snacks are
0: on point. Right? Who didn't love mid-rats? You know, you guys got done drilling, you guys got done running, you got done PTing, and we we even had a meal at midnight. I mean, come on now.
2: It's the brunch of the night.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh. very cool. All right, let's get it all out on the table now. Uh, We're talking school shootings, what can be done. We all want schools to be safe, and I think that goes without saying. So, what do you guys think? What could be done?
2: I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, This is something obviously of great concern to all of us, um, not only because of what's going on, but also because of the continuing trend that we're seeing. This is something that's not going away. It's just happening more and more. And uh, being that we are all student veterans at the George Washington University in the District of Columbia, I think that I can speak for all of us when I say there is a little bit of, uh, I guess our hair stands up on the back of our neck. Not just because you know we're students, but also where we're at in the national capital region. You know, you got the White House, you got um, Congress. Uh, last year, uh, uh, Congressman Scalise was shot at a baseball field in Arlington across the water. Oh yeah. So yeah. It, def- it definitely is a real concern. Um, but I don't. I know me personally. I'm not concerned when I walk the streets because I was. Trained and learn how to run towards the direction of gunfire. Um, that's just me personally. But when I do hear a call from the media and from civilians to say, "Well, let's put veterans in the schools to protect the kids," I find that just appalling, obscene, rude, and totally disrespectful. Because you know we went and did these things overseas, you know, and a lot of us came back, and some guys have nightmares and can't go to sleep, and are on uh antidepressants because they had to pick up their best friend's dead body well how do you think we would feel about having to do that in our own country picking up you know kids bodies
3: you know the one one thing that i think he's getting at is that veterans all too often are put up on a pedestal and we're supposed to you know somehow bring peace and order uh you know whether it's to schools or what Abby any any social topic would get used that way uh, you know almost like a political football. however, um, another thing that uh, uh, HW just touched up on the only thing that we really bring to the table is understanding the chaos that is a combat zone. Our streets are not meant to be combat zones. our schools are not meant to be combat zones. although I think what that the, the sheriff's deputy did was, yeah, a travesty. You know, he hesitated.
0: Yeah, yeah. Referring to the deputy down in Parkland, Florida.
3: That's not something that's uncommon. Uh, You know, with us all the time. It happens with us all the time. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, HW being a combat vet, uh, I'm sure he's seen it. Yeah. Uh, where people just, you know, they freeze. They freeze. You know, under fire, it's a very stressful situation. But your school should not be that, by any means. And putting, you know, veterans with guns. You know, in a school setting, that's not going to solve any issue. It's just going to add add more fuel to the fire.
1: This is Nicole speaking. Or even adding, um, they were talking about probably giving teachers guns as well to, as for protection. And just like Emerson just said, the most trained professional, um, someone that's trained in combat to actually have guns to actually shoot these guns at the enemy. They even freeze up. What's a teacher going to do when they have to um, shoot a child that they taught in the classroom, or um, a parent, or who, whoever? This is not a movie where the gun is always shooting the bad guy. Mistakes happen, and what? And and now we now we are going to sacrifice our teachers, their mental health, and they're going to now have PTSD, just like we're talking about with veterans. what's going to happen after we take away a a gun-free zone at school and start arming teachers.
0: I appreciate hearing from each of you because you're veterans first and then your students. UHW uh, and Emory don't agree necessarily with veterans being armed in schools because of uh, the experiences that they've gone through. It might be overly traumatic for a veteran to have to deal with that in a school situation. Uh, Nicole said you don't think that teachers should be armed. Talk to me about what you guys think should happen. I mean, how can we make schools safe?
3: So as Emerson, for my personal belief uh, is that we definitely need to start uh, more federal regulation. Uh, I know there is some disagreement of that in the room, but right now, what the second amendment does state is a well-regulated militia and we're failing to well-regulate that. Um, it's something that I heavily believe in. I would say I,
2: I would disagree with that. So Emerson mentioned well-regulated militia. Well, there's a comma after that. And then it extends. It's, it's not just for well-regulated militia. Additionally, the constitution says that anything that's not enumerated in the constitution should be left up to the states. So while I think that this is a, big issue that, um, has been happening all across the country. Um, it should be left up to the the states, individual states to decide if they want to restrict or limit anything further. And, um, additionally, I don't think that there's anything that's going to be done to be able to fix this. And the reason why I say that is uh, referencing what happened at Sandy Hook, um, where the other weekend I was actually up there and I, uh, got to go see the area and see the school I think if so many little kids, little babies are being killed by something like this and that couldn't get it done, I really don't see anything uh, in a broad spectrum that's going to be able to fix this. I think we need to get off the internet for a little while and let the mainstream media sizzle out a little bit, and we just need to be more involved and show genuine care and concern towards each other. And maybe by doing that, we'll be able to mitigate or deter some of these individuals who are upset or frustrated and doing this as a mode to vent that, whatever frustrations that they're having.
1: This Nicole, um, I think, uh, it's probably, uh, one thing that I would say is maybe, maybe making the process with getting guns. Um, like maybe a checklist saying like, Hey, you need to go get signed off from a psychiatrist stating that you're no harm to yourself or others and. Your, your mental health is capable with owning a weapon and you're not going to, like, lash out like that.
0: All right, so you have to kind of medically qualify for the Second Amendment?
1: I do. I, I'm all for the Second Amendment and people being able to own guns, especially veterans. They have the, they have the right. At the same time, I do think that we need to have um, stricter guidelines for being able to own a gun?
2: If I could make wave a magic wand, I know exactly what I would do. Federally, I would do some different changes within of what it means to, to be an adult. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would say probably at age 16, once somebody hits 16, they are now able to be charged as an adult for any felony that's committed. And then I would say at 17, I would allow um, individuals to vote to, you know, get them to be thinking like I'm an adult now and then at 18 we uh, make them legally emancipated and then probably maybe set some uh, guidelines age-wise age restrictions for certain types of guns so like hunting rifles or shotguns you should be able to get at 18 but maybe like uh, assault rifles and pistols you can't purchase them till you're 21 that won't be able to uh, mitigate some a kid from taking their parents weapon but I think knowing that You could be sitting in the electric chair at age 16. That's probably going to deter some kids from going to school and shooting the place up. Um, And additionally, I think that um, we need to really decide what kind of country we're going to be in regards to uh, guns. So if I was in Congress right now and I was the Speaker of the House, I would say give the Democrats the bump stock ban but we're going to also include in that legislation something that says we're not going to reform or change anything regarding guns for the next like 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Like this is it. We're not doing anything else. We need to focus on raising our kids um, a little bit better and controlling um, what's going on and not, not necessarily controlling the media, but being able to um, make sure that our youth are not a, ab- Uh, exposed to things that are obscene or grossly violent, that's going to desensitize them and allow them the mental capacity to go in these schools and do the things they're doing.
0: All right, let's hit pause on the podcast for just one second and unpack that. Should you need a psychiatrist to own a gun? Should we change federal sentencing guidelines to include adult punishments for teenagers, to emancipate kids at 18 years old and let them start voting at 17? And then there's the old, don't let the kids watch the violent stuff because it's going to make them bad. It's going to make them crazy. But didn't they say that about every television show in the 80s? You know, Miami Vice, and then all the video games, Grand Theft Auto, rap music, hip hop, Biggie, Dre, Tupac, NWA, Public Enemy. I mean, a look behind the curtain at what veteran students think about gun control and ways to make schools safer. Kind of looks like the same conversation everyone else is having on Facebook. Spaghetti at the wall, man. Throwing it all up, seeing what sticks. And so far, not a lot of sticking.
2: I think the big problem is is that um, we haven't decided what kind of country we want to be. And this is in regards to guns, to same-sex marriage, to... The list goes on and on and on, right? And, um... We just haven't decided what kind of people we want to be. And I think that's why we're seeing such chaos in our society right now. And as veterans, I think we, we know that this is the reason why, because from our service, we there are clear lines of what's acceptable, right? We know, yeah, we know where we can go, where we can't go. We have our left and right lateral And In civil society, we don't have that. And because we're a democracy, we like to embrace freedom. And I think freedom is great. And, you know, we, all three of us, Uh, signed away our lives for a lot of time in order to protect that freedom. But as the saying goes, freedom isn't free, you know, and I don't think when our founding fathers drafted that first amendment, they meant, you know, we were free to do absolutely anything and everything that we want. I think there, we need to have some, I don't want to say restrictions, but it needs to be guided in a better direction, better direction, better direction, better direction.
0: And it was at this point in the podcast, I was surprised by what I heard. Coming from Marines, whom I thought would be fierce defenders of the Second Amendment and wanting to bear arms at all costs. But it was right here where they go from their training, which taught them how to fight on a battlefield, to fighting for change in public policy.
2: I think we're going to start being able to see some more guidance on that. Emerson created uh, an organization called the Coalition of Veteran Engagements, or COVE. And Nicole and I are uh, coming on board with that and are... The goal with that is to increase veteran engagement in society. We want to uh, help build communities and use the veteran voice to create a unified consensus. And we want to be able to offer <clears throat> different policy policy positions and different ideas, kind of like a kind of like an idea incubator for us to put out in the world and say, well, why don't we try this? You know, because while Emerson and I, while Emerson is very far left and I am very far right, and Nicole is definitely in the middle, Right, we, we, I, I seriously believe that if we were given the ball, we could sit down at a table for maybe 30 minutes and come out with a solid idea that we think a consensus will agree on. If we were to bring them all in the room one at a, t- one at a time and say, what do you think about this? we would get a lot of people to agree. And then if Congress were to go and vote instead of doing their whole caucus thing and well, the party wants you to do this. That's what's really inhibiting us is that people are coming to the negotiating table with, you know, their little checklist of, I I won't go any further than this. And that's not what compromise is. Compromise is listening to both sides of the story and coming up with a, a clear consensus. And that's what we have been able to do successfully in the military. That's why we don't have a lot of these issues, regardless of race, uh, sex, or, you know, um, whatever. And we can get the job done.
0: Now, it shouldn't seem unusual that these veterans felt the fight needs to occur in public policy, in laws set by our government. But I was still confused as to why they wanted to go the political route when it seems as though the world could use veterans to help keep places safe. (laughs)
1: I disagree 100% with having veterans in schools. Period. No matter if it's the most trained professional that was in combat, to the veteran that didn't even serve in combat, that lifestyle, um, regardless of which one they took, they need to transition out of the military and become um, a civilian again. And putting them right back in um, as a as a guard at school, it it does not help their transition to civilian life. I think the answer is how we are molding uh, society as a whole, how we are broadcasting um, hate through media and how we are in, empowering people to feel like it is okay for them to lash out. Um, I think there's something like if there's a healthy way to Uh, protest your right but at the same time violence isn't the answer and bringing violence on top of violence only is going to add more chaos in
0: the world. Now that certainly makes a hell of a lot of sense and another thing I hadn't considered when I thought about veterans providing security for all the world's problems is that as Marines they're trained for something entirely different.
3: What we do in the United States Marine Corps, we are shock troops. We are there to end it like it's 1990 yesterday. Um, You know, we did that in Iraq, you know, in 2003 when we pushed in three days, you know, all of a sudden all chaos broke loose, right? That is not going to solve the issue. It's going to compound uh, the issues that veterans are already facing um, by kind of, you know, continuing that, that, that silo. Uh, that information silo, you know, I'm going from the military, and now I'm going to protect a school, and now I'm going to become a cop, and now I'm going to go, you know, I guess just kind of be the, the, the guy that hops on the grenade, for lack of a better term. Um, and from everything that I've experienced the, to the Coalition of Veteran Engagement, all the, the veterans I've talked to, all the military-affiliated I've talked to, the experience, A, is very different. B, not everyone really wants to do that their entire lives. I'm sure yourself as a, as a Navy veteran did not, you know, I don't know if you took a security job afterward or not, but it, it probably wasn't the most, the the thing that you wanted to get out and do, uh, continuously.
0: Right, right, Uh, right. right.
3: Also, you know, the military, again, I'm going to harp on this offensive versus defensive kind of, uh, issue. You know, again, we're meant to be offensive. We are not there to, to, to protect and serve, which is a police officer's job or a peace officer. That You know, that's their technical terminology. I'm so sorry glad. to interject, but I, I would say I would agree
2: with, um, with giving veterans, like, a, a concealed carry permit that has reciprocity throughout the entire United States and allow them to be able to uh, carry, you know, wherever, in, they're, in, right? wherever they're at if they have been vetted when they're transitioning for mental health issues, if they want to do that. But stationing them and putting them on post at a school is absolutely not the right answer. And I would say um, this also speaks to show how vulnerable our community is. I wouldn't say we're victims. I would say we're vulnerable to Mm -hmm. society because every time something goes wrong, every time they need us, they want to call on the veterans or call on the military to solve the problems. And then after the problem solved, then it's just like, okay, well, we're done with you. You're good. And then when we're like, well, hey, we still have these issues. Oh, go to the VA. The VA will take care of it. Well, the VA is not fixing this. Well, just keep trying, you know, like, don't don't stop coming to us with this.
0: You guys are not a panacea for all things. No, I. I, 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 Yeah, exactly. But yet here we are, not yet three months into 2018. And emotions are running high. We want change! We want change! We want change! We want change! I understand all the,
2: the, the emotion that's behind it, but this is something that you have to be very rational about. And um, you got to remove emotion from the equation, regardless of if, if it's kids shooting or getting shot at an elementary school, at a college, or just in the streets, like, uh, what happened in Las Vegas. Um, we need to really think about whether or not we should be doing um, a lot of things. And I think this also feeds into, um, the misperception that's going on right now, where we can solve a lot of things that are in people's heads, you know, like with what went down in Charlottesville, you can't, you can't change somebody's mind about being racist. You can't change somebody's mind about, whether or not they're for or against, uh, homosexuality and you can't change somebody's mind, um, who's going to go shoot, shoot up a place unless you can get to them. And if you can't get to them, then that's the, that's the problem. So I get the whole mental health, uh, background checks, but, um, I, I have mixed feelings about that because can't yeah. fix crazy. Yeah, because one, you can't fix crazy, and I would probably fall into that category being a home marine. But, um, <laughs> sure, sure. but I think that our founding fathers had the right idea, and we've had guns in this country since before we were even a country. And if you really look back at uh, high-capacity weapons, the first real machine gun was the Oregon gun that was during the Middle Ages, and you had the puckle gun in the... Uh, uh, was like 1712. And then even the Constitutional Congress uh, tried to commission a gun that could be fired in uh, 21 rounds in, in under a minute. So our founding fathers were very aware of high-capacity weapons, and they still wrote what they wrote in the Constitution. We haven't really had lot all, all, these these shootings have become more prevalent they started trending more the first real big one was what columbine in 1997 right so what do you associate that within that time span well it's it's the media I mean that's the only real big shift was the internet and access to a lot of information and people being desensitized by this stuff and it's just In my personal opinion, it just has spiraled out of control. So uh, if you want veterans to solve this problem, it's not going to be with a weapon, and it's not going to be with a flak jacket and a Kevlar. I think it's going to be with increased engagement um, in our communities and also uh, in our legislative bodies. And instead of asking Kim Kardashian what she thinks about something or LeBron James, why don't you ask a veteran who actually has the practical experience? Absolutely.
0: So for now, these Marines are gonna post up at George Washington University and get ready to continually storm Capitol Hill as they align the voices of veterans from all walks of life. You can reach their organization on Facebook.
3: Uh, If you type in Coalition of Veteran Engagement DC, you'll find our Facebook page and we're pushing stuff out almost on a daily.
0: Now, it remains to be seen what kind of legislation will be made. Will there be age restrictions to gun ownership? Will there be psychological requirements? The details have yet to be discussed, but as a veteran, I feel safer knowing on the front lines of the discussion and getting in the face of the legislators will be my fellow veterans. I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll talk to you again on another episode of Vet Story.